gospel. Three stories for you this morning. The first story, uh, a story is told about a, an old couple at a restaurant sitting across from one another and eating. And um, they're uh, doing their thing. They've been married for a long time. And so they're looking at their meals and they're slowly eating, not saying much. The wife looks up and looks over and sees another old couple about their age sitting in a booth on the same side, his arm wrapped around her, whispering sweet nothings into her ear. She blushes, he blushes. It's so sweet. She says to him, the lady sitting across from her husband, the other couple, she says to him, honey, do you see that couple over there? Do you see that man and that woman? She says, why don't you ever do that? Why don't you ever do that for me? Her husband looks up from his Caesar salad and looks at her, looks back at his salad and says, Honey, I don't even know that woman. <laughs> Second story. There's a little boy. Dad comes home from work. Little boy is sitting on the porch, his head down in his hands, looking rather forlorn. And uh, dad looks at little boy and says, son, what is wrong? Little boy looks and said, well, just between us, dad, I'm having trouble getting along with your wife too. <laughs> Three men, third story. Three men are sitting at the pub one day and they're talking about their wives. And they're talking about how uh, their wives uh, submit to them and how they keep control over their wives. And uh, the first two men are sitting there talking to each other about how they control their wives. And the third man just sits there listening to them. They're having their conversation and they're talking about how they control their wives. And the, the, they say to the, the two men talking, say to the third man, they say, well, what about you? What sort of control do you have over your wife? He says, I'll tell you. The other day, she came to me on her hands and her knees the first two guys were amazed. Well, what happened then? She said, get out from under that bed and fight like a man. <laughs> ah, yes, marriage. True love, love and marriage. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being in love and loving one another. And, and what is God's design and plan for marriage? Last week, we talked about living good lives among unbelievers. We talked about submitting to the government. We talked about uh, submitting to our employers and uh, being good employees and, and working with integrity. Uh, we talked about uh, what it means to uh, live in such a way that people take notice of us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. What, is, what are we supposed to look like? What are our lives supposed to be like when people look at us and they see us as followers of Jesus. You know, today we're talking about marriage relationships. We're talking about husbands and wives. We're talking about consideration and submission. Oh, there's that word. This is a fun topic to talk about. Really, it is. When you're a guy, you know, and you say to uh, a room full of men and women, uh, as 
and and it, to the guys it's not as hard, but to the women and saying, well, you must submit. That's what the Bible says. We tend to bristle when we hear that. We hear, wait a minute, what? I gotta I gotta do what? You know, we have this image in our minds of you know like 1950s you know uh, TV. You know, there's a husband comes home, puts his you know his wife is at the door with the slippers and you know and 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 the pipe and you know you put your feet up, watch TV, and she's got dinner already on the table and she's perfectly kept and everything. And it's like, really? And, and that's the image that we get in our minds. And, and we think to ourselves, I, you know, a, a woman might think to herself, I could never do that. I mean, and then a guy may think to himself, well, why can't you do that? And, um, you know, it's just, it's hard to talk about. I'll be perfectly honest. This is one of the topics that I find very difficult to talk about. But the Bible talks about it. And we're working our way through the book of First and Second Peter, uh, the, the books of First and Second Peter. And we're talking, and we're just going through it. Uh, chapter by chapter, piece by piece, and today is the subject is husbands and wives, and how do we get along with one another, and how do we treat one another? It's very important. It's, when you get married and you say, till death do us part, this is somebody you're going to have breakfast with for the rest of your life. That's a lot of breakfasts. That's a lot of honey nut Cheerios. And so we spend 40 and 50 and 60 years, Lord willing, with one another, we spend all this time with each other, and it's important that we learn how to treat one another, and we learn about God's plan for the family, because I believe that God has a design and a plan for the family, a way that he wants us to live, and how he wants us to treat our spouses, how he wants us to treat our significant other, and, and it's very important. So today we're going to talk about God's plan for the family, and how do we model God's plan for a fam- for the family, especially in a world where it seems like our society is is uh, did a, uh, com- <clears throat> excuse me completely devoted to rewriting the rules of family. So how can we model God's plan for the family to our society? And there's a reason that we do that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, we've been doing uh, going through the books of First and Second Peter here on Sunday mornings, a sermon series called Basic, and we're talking about the basic foundations of our faith, the very basics of what we believe. And today we're talking about the basics of what it means to be a family, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. And I believe that right out of His Word, and, and we're going to look at this passage today, uh, comes God's plan for the family. Uh, if you will turn to First Peter chapter three, we're going to look at verses one through seven. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 7, in a, in a passage that is completely unbalanced. We'll talk about that too. Uh, but 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, you have on the back of your bulletin, you have the handy-dandy outline. You can follow along and uh, fill in the blanks as we go along. And turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read the first six verses, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about two challenges and two promises today. Uh, the first blank on your outline is, wives, be submissive. Yay! Like I said, this is fun to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about what it means, though. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when you see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. 
For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, in Roman society, women were little more, wives were little more than property. Okay? So they had a very, very low place in society. When Christianity started to spread throughout the Roman Empire, women tended to come to faith faster than their husbands. Uh, think of the story of Lydia uh, in, in Philippi. She came to faith first before any of her household or any of her family did. And it was, that, it was a very common thing in those days that the wife or the woman would come to faith first and then their husbands would follow along. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28... Uh, we see that Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all, all one in Christ Jesus. And what Paul is telling us is that when Christianity comes on the scene, when Christianity comes into the picture, that there is no distinction anymore. There is no separation in classes. There is no separation in gender. That we're all one. We are all covered by the same grace of God shed uh, in the blood of Jesus Christ on the day that he was crucified. That we are all covered in the same blood. We are all covered by the same grace. It's not a matter of, okay, guys, you get this much grace, and women, you get this much grace. No, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And this is, a, this is an important distinction, because as this teaching spreads throughout the Roman Empire, all of a sudden now, a society that uh, oppresses women... Women start to have freedom, and, and they, they feel liberated, and all of a sudden now they're equal with men in a way that they had never been equal before. And all of a sudden now, uh, unbelieving husbands find that their wives are, you know, all of a sudden they have a, a brand new status in Christ. And it's like, if you're a husband and your wife comes to faith and she starts acting differently and behaving differently, saying, well, you don't own me. I'm not your property. I'm a new creation. I belong to Jesus. And, and we're equal. What is an unbelieving husband going to do? Say, what? What are you talking about? I don't, and, and basically, he's not going to want anything to do with this faith. There is a greater purpose, Peter says in a wife submitting to her husband, especially an unbelieving husband. Um, he says that wives are to continue to submit to their husbands as was the custom of the day, the custom of society. Why? Why would they have to submit? It was because of a greater purpose, because of a kingdom reason, a kingdom purpose, that they might win over unbelieving husbands and unbelieving uh, people, that they might through the, the beauty of their actions, uh, through a consistent, authentic uh, lifestyle, uh, they would be able to win over their husbands. It's a kingdom reason. It's the purpose that God had in mind. And so the challenge uh, on your uh, outline there, the challenge that we, ha that we have is to submit, for wives to submit for a greater purpose. Today, Wives are called to submit because it pleases God. And that's what Peter says, that it pleases God when wives submit to their husband. This does not mean that you lose yourself as a person or as a Christian woman. It does not mean subservience. Submission is not the same as subservience. It does not mean that, like we talked about before, it does not mean that you're waiting at the door when your husband comes home from work with his slippers and his remote 
guy's thinking, well, I want that. No, it's not what it means. It doesn't mean that she, has, uh, that she uh, caters to your every whim and she's at your beck and call all the time. That she's waiting at the doors so that you know she can go get dinner ready while you sit there and flip through the tube for an hour. You know, there's 185 channels, but there ain't nothing on. Get in the kitchen, help her out. But um, it doesn't mean that you do all the housework while your husband sits around and does nothing. It means that wives are called to respect their husbands and submit to their husbands and his God-given role as the head of the household. And that's what we're talking about, is God's plan for the family, God's plan for the household, that husbands are called to be the head of the household. It's the way God, when he created us, male and female, that's the role that he gave to the husband. It's the role he gave to the guy, is to be the head of the household. The problem is, and we'll talk about this in just a second with guys, we sometimes abdicate our responsibility, and we don't do what we're called to do. And we allow our wives to take over the household. And it's not supposed to be that way. Wives are called to submit to their husbands, which means husbands have to take the role that God has given them so that uh, wives can take the role that God has given to them as well. So it's not just a challenge, though, to, to be submissive, as Peter says. There is a promise that goes with it. And I want to talk about the promise for just a minute. There is a promise that goes along with this challenge. And the promise is that unbelievers may be won over. This is such an awesome responsibility that wives have, especially wives with unbelieving husbands, especially uh, wives uh, who have relatives who may not believe, that when they see uh, a, a wife who submits to her husband, uh, who doesn't you know, uh, talk back to him, who respects him and honors him as her husband, uh, it, it says a lot about her character. It says a lot about her as a Christian. It says a lot about her as a wife. So the question I have is, what is more important? Is, is someone's salvation more important than your status? Is someone's faith more important than your rights? Don't be a stumbling block to somebody else's faith because you don't want to submit to your husband, because you don't feel like your husband is worth it. You don't feel like uh, he deserves it. The most important thing when it comes to this challenge and to this promise is somebody else's salvation. That God has called you to uh, a greater calling, to a greater purpose, and that is to assist in other people coming to faith. Um, and then Peter says that uh, the true beauty that for a woman comes from the Lord when you obey him and what you, when you do what he has called you to do. And so he, he tells women to trust in God to reward you. Uh, just so that we make this clear, okay? Guys, this is not uh, carte blanche to say, okay, do what I tell you to do or else. Uh, it's not uh, for men to say, uh, it, it does not give a man any right to abuse his wife in any way, whether it be physically, uh, emotionally, or verbally. Uh, we'll talk about guys' responsibility in just a second. It doesn't mean that the husband has any right to abdicate his God-given responsibility to be the head of the house. Guys, you are called, we are called to lead our families and to lead them spiritually, to lead them uh, as the head of the household, uh, to lead them emotionally, uh, to strengthen our families. We're called to man up and be guys, to be the head of the household that God has called us to be. And if we will treat our wives with respect, and if we will honor them, and we'll talk about this for quite a while, this is something I'm more of an expert on, um, being a, a clod, but um, 
Guys, if, if we will treat our wives with respect and honor and consideration, I think that they will find it a lot easier to submit to us as the head of the household if we do what we're called to do by God. And I think uh, it would be easier for a wife to say, yes, I will submit to you. I trust that you have all of our best interests in mind when it comes to the family, that you're not just doing whatever you're doing just to please yourself, but rather you are going to honor God and you're going to honor our family and therefore I will submit to you because I know that you have our best interests at heart. So let's talk about guys for just a second, okay? I believe that, that God will honor and reward the wife who submits to her husband as God has called her to. Um, and uh, I believe that God has a challenge for guys too. Look at verse 7. And again, this seems very unfair, doesn't it? Verses 1 through 6, we have these six verses about a wife submitting. And then we have one verse about guys. Something seems out of whack. But anyway, uh, the, the command that, that Peter gives to husbands is intense. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. The challenge uh, is for guys um, uh, to be considerate. Uh, to be a considerate partner to your wife. Like I said, it seems unfair that he spends six verses talking about wives and only one verse talking about husbands. But here's the thing. Like I said earlier, uh, when Christianity started to spread through the Roman Empire, it was more common for the wife to believe before the husband. And the assumption was that if the husband believed, that his wife was also a believer because the wife would often take the religion of the, the husband. And so when he came to faith, typically his entire household would come to faith. And we have actually found that this to be true as well in modern society, in American society, that if a guy will start coming to church, his whole family will come with him. If a woman starts coming to church, her kids might come, but oftentimes her husband doesn't come. And so it's important for churches to be able to reach out to guys uh, so that we can reach families as well. Um, but Guys, we have a call, we have a, a job, we have a responsibility. We are to be considerate and respectful of our wives. We are to be considerate and respectful of our wives, as Peter says, as the weaker partner. Now, what does he mean by weaker? When he says that the wife is the weaker partner, is he saying that she is physically weaker? Most likely, yeah, that... that um, Wives uh, aren't as big, aren't as strong, aren't as muscular. In most cases, not in all, I've seen ESPN in those fitness competitions, you know, it's like, it's like, ah. And when it comes to being physically weaker, any human being that can squeeze another human being out of their body, I don't consider that to be any kind of weakness. So let's get that out of the way. Typically, it means that a wife is physically weaker than her husband, but not spiritually weaker. We are covered by the same grace. We talked about there in Galatians, how we're all covered by the same grace of God and that we are all on equal footing at the foot of the cross, that Jesus died for women and men the same. The grace that covers us all is the same. So women are not spiritually weaker. It is the same grace, the same blood. Women are not emotionally weaker or mentally weaker than men. Um, women may be, uh, sometimes may be more emotional than men are. Uh, but that's just because we're wired differently. It amazes me how we're wired differently sometimes. My wife and I will hear the same story. 
Okay, we'll hear about um, in a car accident, for example. Okay, and, and my wife is so tender-hearted because she'll hear about the car accident and, and her first question, is everybody okay? You know, maybe a friend of hers gets in a car accident. Is she okay? Is she all right? Me, my first question is how much damage was done? How much is it going to cost to fix it? We're wired differently. You know, is everything all right? Was it a big wreck? Was there a fire? Oh, we're wired differently. Women are more tender-hearted than men tend to be, typically, stereotypically. But it doesn't mean that they're weaker. It doesn't mean uh, that they're uh, less. We're different, and I believe that that is a good thing, that God has created us to be different. Men, as the head of the household, we are called to be considerate of our wives as we live, to the, live with them. The challenge is to be a considerate partner for your wife. Notice what the language that Peter uses. The title of my sermon today is In the Same Way. And the reason is because he says, husbands, in the same... After telling wives to submit, he says, husbands, in the same way... In other words, you've got to do something that is not going to be necessarily easy for you to do. In the same way, you need to treat your wife with consideration and respect. A, husband, a wife needs to respect and submit to her husband, but in the same way, a, a husband needs to respect his wife. Men, we are Christians first. We follow Jesus first. We obey God, and we do what he tells us to do. We are Christians first. We are husbands second. You're not an employee second. You are not a businessman second. You are not a salesman second. You are a husband second. After a Christian, you are then a husband. You are a Christian husband. And God has called you to be considerate and respectful of your wife. And then you're a father third. You can't put your kids before your wife. Your wife comes second after God. You can't put your friends before your wife. Your wife comes second after God. We are called to be considerate, respectful partners, partners with our wives. doesn't mean that they're way down here. It means they're right here. We're partners in this family. We're partners in this relationship. And we are to be respectful and considerate of our wives. We are to show our wives the unconditional love that Christ showed the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul wrote, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did, God, how did Jesus love the church? He died for the church. He sacrificed his very life for the church. He gave up everything for the church. He put the church before himself. Husbands, if we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we need to put everything aside, everything that we want, our own desires. We need to set those aside for our wives' sake. It's because that's what God has called us to do. That is the challenge, to be considerate. And that's not easy for a guy. Guys are selfish pigs. I know. I am one. Sometimes. Okay, a lot of times. But we need to be considerate and respectful of our wives. We need to show them unconditional love and respect. And to love them sacrificially as Jesus loved the church. Now there's a promise that goes along with this challenge. And the promise is that your prayers will not be hindered. Your prayers will not be hindered. It's very simple. If you feel like God isn't answering your prayers, ask yourself this question. How am I treating my wife? 
Because he says that if we do not treat our wives with respect and consideration, our, our prayers may be hindered. God will not, get this, all right, write this down because this is very, very important. God will not honor the prayers of a man who will not honor his wife. Let that sink in for just a minute. God will not honor the prayers of a man who will not honor his wife. Why are your prayers not answered? Are you, how, how do you treat your wife? Are you respectful and considerate? Or do you lord it over her? Do you push her around? Do you abuse her physically or emotionally or uh, um, other ways? Verbally, that was the one I was thinking of. Are you, are you abusive towards your wife? If you won't honor your wife, God will not honor you. He cannot. I want you to, guys, I want you to go back in the memory bank. Somewhere back there uh, are some words. Words that you said. On a day, it may have been a long time ago, it may have been recently, but you stood before your friends and your family and you stood before God and you said some words to a woman that you loved. You said things, you said vows. You said that you would take her to be your wife. You know, I do, I do weddings uh, every once in a while, and, and uh, whenever I do the wedding and I get to the vow part, I always think of my own vows, and I think about my wife. And I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be standing here, like usually about right here, and, and uh, the guy will say his vows, and it's, it's always sweet when he starts crying as he's saying his vows, and, and she'll start crying when she starts saying her vows, and I start crying as I'm repeating the vows because I'm thinking about my wife, and it's like just a great big blubbering mess up here. But it's beautiful. It's just wonderful. But think about these words for just a minute. Think about these vows. Um, I take you to be my wife. She is your wife. You love this woman. You love this woman. You love her. And, and then you said, to have and to hold. God has given you the privilege of having this woman to be your wife. And, and being able to hold her. When was the last time you held your wife? Just cuddled up next to her on the couch and put an arm around her, gave her a, a sweet embrace, a, a hug, or, uh, you know, you, you laid down in bed next to each other and you just wrapped your arms around her. When was the last time you did that? You need to hold your wife, guys. You need to hold her. To have and to hold. For better or worse. When you get married on that day, you have no idea what worse means. Right? Yeah, you're hoping for better, but you're not sure about worse and what all that's going to entail. For richer or poorer, you're hoping for richer, but many times we find it's the poorer. In sickness and in health, don't get me started. In sickness and in health. In other words, no matter what. I am going to love you and have you and hold you no matter what. For richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and health, you're mine. God has given you to me and you're mine. You're going to love her and you're going to honor her and you're going to cherish her. When was the last time you really thought about that word cherish? To cherish her, not take her for granted. 
Not just assuming that, oh, yeah, she'll always be there. Uh, you know, it's, we'll be fine. And, you just, and we take our wives for granted, guys, and we, we can't do that. We need to love our wives. We need to cherish our wives, to love them unconditionally. But she doesn't do this, and she doesn't do that. She used to do this, and she used to do that. And we don't do that anymore, and we have no fun. You're supposed to love her unconditionally and cherish her, not take her for granted. Till death do you part. You said these words. If you are sitting next to your wife, or if your wife is at home, or wherever your wife is now, you said those words. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to honor, to love, and to cherish until death do us part. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not married. Well, maybe someday you want to get married. Think about those words, because those are the words you're going to say. Are you ready to make that commitment? And if you're a guy and you're not honoring those words, if you're not honoring those vows, you need to remake that commitment. You need to say, you know what? I'm, t- I'm going to respect her and I'm going to honor her and I'm going to cherish her and I'm going to love her unconditionally as Christ loved the church. She is a precious gift from God given to you to love and to be loved by until death do you part. Don't forget your vows. Think of them often. Repeat them to yourself. Repeat them to her. My mom, uh, when my brother and his wife got married, she worked at a nursing home. And she polled the little old ladies at the nursing home about what was the one thing they could do to ensure a successful marriage. And without a doubt, number one answer, tell each other that you love each other every day. I, I make couples when I do a wedding. Brandon can attest to this because he does sounds for my wedding. He's shaking his head up and down because he gets annoyed by it. But... I always add an extra vow, and I always add the extra vow of tell each other that you love each other every day. It's so important to just to hear those words and to to say those words. Even if you've got to say it through clenched teeth, I love you. (laughs) may not feel like it, but I love you. You've got to tell each other that you love each other every day. And... God will honor you. Guys, if you will respect your wife, if you will love your wife, if you will honor your wife, God will honor you. And he will bless you and your prayers will not be hindered. And that to me is a scary, scary thing. To have your prayers hindered. That God wouldn't answer your prayers because you won't honor your wife. Guys, honor your wives. Respect your wives. Love your wives. Okay, I want to do something really practical for you guys and for all of us here today. Uh, Brandon and Cassie, would you guys come here and do me a favor? Would you make sure that everybody, uh, all, all our, I, I, I hope there's a, there should be enough. If you would make sure that everybody gets one of these. And uh, if, if, if you don't want one, that's fine. Just say, no, don't give me one. This is, this is a little thing I get in the email. Uh, this is 10 things that wives want to hear from their husbands. And on the other side is 10 things husbands want to hear from their wives. And I thought this would be something really cool. This came in on Monday and Tuesday in my email this week. I'm going to tell you where you can get this if you want it to get it yourself, other than the hard copy you're getting today. Um, there's a website called familyminute.com. Okay, You can sign up for free. If you have a cell phone, you can do it right now. If you have a smartphone, uh, just go to familyminute.com and sign up for their free email. And every day they will send you an email that will give you practical advice on how to have a better family. How to love your wife, how to love your husband, how to love your kids. And it answers all kinds of important questions about being a dad and being a mom and being a husband, being a wife, being a grandparent. And so 
uh, like I said, if you if, like, and you can do it right now. If you have a fam- if you have a cell phone, you got a smartphone, go to familyminute.com, sign up for the free email, uh, or maybe just make yourself a text yourself this this uh, website address, familyminute.com. And like I said, the, these are just some real practical things that you can say to your wife, that you can say to your husband, that will just kind of touch their heart, and it may open up the lines of communication a little bit better. Uh, make sure balcony folks get them too; they're married up there too. And um, but like things like you know, ten things wives want to hear from their husbands. Thanks for all you do for our family. When was the last time you thanked your wife for everything she does for your family? And just to, to acknowledge the fact that you that you see that she works hard. Whether she works in the home or works outside the home or both. When was the last time he just said, thank you for all you do for our family? Number five, guys, when was the last time you told your wife, you are beautiful? You are beautiful. When was the last time you said that? When was the last time you thought that? Say it. Ten things husbands want to hear from their wives. I love being your wife. You know, guys, let's face it. Sometimes we feel that pressure. We feel a lot of pressure in our lives to, to do this and to that and the other thing, to be a provider. To, and we feel like failures sometimes. We feel like we're failing as fathers. We feel like we're failing as husbands. And, and we need to hear that, that. You know what, honey, I love being your wife. I'm glad you're my husband. That means that I'm not taking you for granted. Number seven, you are so wise. Guys, when was the last time your wife told you you were wise? Well, quit being a bozo and do some wise stuff. <laughs> but these are ten things that you guys can say to each other, that we can say to our wives, that our wives can say to us. And it, like I said, it will open up lines of communication. Um, it will be able to... Um, help you to talk to one another. It'll remind you of the reasons that you love, cherish, and honor one another. I mean, folks, it's so important um, because I, I, I talk to couples sometimes and, I, and they forget this one simple word. And it's a very simple word. It's three letters. W-O-O. We forget the woo. See, we... When we're trying to figure out, you know, do I want to marry you and do I want to spend the rest of my life with you? And we'll say all kinds of things. I love you. We'll do all kinds of things. I bring you flowers. You know, I give you a little card. Here's a card. You know, oh, thank you. She gave me a card. You know, and, and we woo each other. We try to woo. It's like, oh, I just, you know, I want to spend time with you. When was the last time you said that to yourself? I want to spend time with my spouse. And yet, too often, we spend time apart. Even when we're in the same house, we spend time apart because we forget the woo. So woo each other. Remember the woo. Say these things to one another. Remember your vows. Do these things because your family is worth it. Your spouse is worth it. After all, Jesus thinks they're to die for. Heavenly Father, I pray for our families today. I pray for the husbands and the wives who are here today, and and I ask that, God, you would help us to remember the reasons that we fell in love in the first place. 
Help us to woo one another, to cherish one another, to love one another, to honor one another. Whether it's through being uh, submitting to uh, a husband's leadership or being considerate of, of, the, of their wives. Help us, God, to remember the vows we've made. That, that Lord, the greater purpose is that people would see strong families in our church and that they would see love in our church and they would want to know more about the God who designed this wonderful thing called marriage. I pray today for those who are struggling, maybe hurting. They've said things, they've done things that that have hurt their spouses. I pray for forgiveness, that you would help us to feel forgiveness from you and help us to forgive one another. God, that's one of the keys is is to forgive when we fail. You forgive us over and over and over again when we fall short and we fail. And we pray that today you would do just that because we have failed. Forgive us, pick us up, and help us start again. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for this wonderful gift called love. We pray these things in Jesus' name.